This week we speak with Lee Sankey, the founder at Door. They create and build new propositions, products, services and ventures that create the next era for you and your customers. Clients include Volvo, Sky, Virgin Money, just go down the list of some of the largest companies in the world. We discuss his legacy as Group Design Director at Barclays when entrepreneurial banking was just really taking off, rising complexity in corporates and how that stops innovation, why he doesn't like the term innovation, he prefers business evolution, what businesses need to do themselves and where they should partner, seizing new opportunities and much, much more. Enjoy the chat. I'll start the recording. Three, two, one. Lee Sankey is the founder at Door, the business evolution consultancy. He works with progressive organizations and brands to answer the question, how will you evolve? They discover and build new products, services, and ventures that create the next era for you and your customers. Clients include Sky, Nobia, Euroclear, and Volvo. Lee Sankey, welcome to Dot Innovate. Great to be here, Nathan. Thanks for the invitation. You've got an absolutely fascinating career journey in history, from designing trainers for Puma at the age of 17 to becoming director at the UK's first commercial internet service provider to becoming group design director at Barclays to now running your own shop. What first attracted you to the world of design? Well, I was always, uh, you know, drawing as a, as a child and my fascination was really to become a car designer. That was always my my ambition from a hmm. from a very young age. So I was always, you know, doodling sketches of you know hmm. cars and things like that. And yeah, I, it just sort of built from there, really. And when I was seventeen, I tried to sell a cooling system to shoot, uh, to Puma that okay. I, I had invented. And they said, "Well, we're not going to do that, but we we really like the way that you think and 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 what you're doing." Mm. Uh, would you come in and um, do some freelance work for us? So that it really sort of began from there. But it was mm. always what I wanted to do. Really fascinating. You you attended MIT in twenty eighth uh, in two thousand and eight to study change in complex organizations. What did you take away from that experience with such a prestigious institution? Yeah, I, that was a really great uh, experience. It wasn't a degree course. It was just a, a, sh a short course, mm. uh, which I think are sort of healthy to take um, here and there to keep on top of uh, your skills. But I guess the main thing that I took away from, from that course at the time was the way that things get done inside organizations is not mm. reflected by the organizational chart. So when you look at an org chart, uh, which is a you know a graphical representation of how the company's organized. It doesn't really reflect actually um, how things get done. The reality, think, yeah, yeah, ex exactly. And especially when you think about organizational dynamics and decision making, those things are just not reflected in organizational charts. But actually, think thinking about this, I think the other thing is it's amazing how much the world of work and organizational design how much that's changed since mm. 2008 2009 which is relatively recently but mm. in that time so many organizations are now um you know have to be more agile and mm. business is so much more iterative and pace is so much faster and 
silos are falling mm. and it's all about interdisciplinary working and those mm. aspects weren't really a big part of the course actually so one of my sort of mm. reflections on thinking about that period is just how different things have <laughs> the world become. is now yeah in a, in a relatively short period of time yeah really interesting we will come back to that a little bit later in the show because that has a huge bearing on innovation in complex organizations specifically how innovation happens uh, in b big businesses where there are traditional silos and legacy and people aren't as, as agile as they necessarily should be. So we'll, we'll come back to that a little bit later. But fast forward a few years and you become group design director at Barclays, where you built the largest design team in Europe at the time, uh, creating next, the next era of financial services. That must have been a really exciting time when everyone was thinking about what the future of financial services looked like. Talk a little bit about that experience. Yeah, it was a very interesting period. I, I never thought I would work in a, a bank. Uh, it's not something that I, I set out to do. But when this opportunity came up, it was just so clear that there was going to be amazing things happening within financial services. And there, it was just, yeah, it was just a, a fantastic period. Obviously, you'd had the 2008, 2009 a financial crisis and certainly within Barclays there was a big rethink about the company purpose and the mm. company culture and the opportunity of digital and I think it's important to say that you know we didn't need a startup like Monzo to tell us that people were going to bank on their phones and financial services is a is a very very big term it's much bigger than just sure. retail banking and there are lots of parts of the banking system that there are huge opportunities to improve and if you if you think about a lot of the retail banks retail fintechs emerged around 2014 2015 sure uh, with things like revolut starling uh, mm -hmm. and monzo but further back if you think about companies like market invoice they were looking sure. at things like trade finance. Mm -hmm. So there was there was a, a huge amount happening, but a lot of it wasn't necessarily driven purely by external forces. It was it was clear to to us um, what the opportunity uh, and potential of 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 digital, and that means new ways of working. It means new competencies. It means bringing new people into the bank. I mean, people like me. I mean, as I said. 20, 30 years ago, banks wouldn't employ someone like me. Uh, mm. And now they have lots of different types of uh, new skills and competencies that they need in order to be successful. So it was a, it was a, it was a brilliant, a brilliant period. I learned a huge amount there personally. Mm. And I think a lot of the legacy of what we did is, is cultural, not just about new products and services, but actually changing how, how things get done and what's important really interesting so talk a little bit about that cultural piece then for a moment because there is a behavioral element to digital transformation or, or at least sort of changing uh, you know it's not just about changing introducing new technology and changing the way that people think about tech it's really about creating a culture and leadership structure where everyone in the organization is really bought into new ways of work working so talk a little bit about 
the behavioral factors that are needed in an organization the size of a Barclays to enable uh, sort of change and growth? Well, the, the, the big thing is obviously a lot of the challenges and delivering change is a function of the scale of those organizations. And you need certain systems and things in place in order to, to reach that kind of size. And over time, those things become disadvantages. And I think we, we certainly are now in an era where being big is not necessarily better. Sure. Uh, where, where it definitely used to be, uh, the, the, you know, size was an advantage. Now being nimble is arguably uh, better. So in, in a bank, obviously, they're very conservative organizations uh, and, they, and they need to be in a lot of ways, thinking mm-hmm. about keeping people's money safe and, mm-hmm. and the kind of um, governance and things that, 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 you, that you need around uh, investment banking or corporate banking. So trying to introduce the kinds of uh, skills and mindset which lets mm. you change and innovate in that environment whether it's the kinds of people that you have, whether it's the governance that you have, it, it is, is challenging. So, and you're absolutely right, digital transformation or any kind of transformation is, is much more than just the, the, the technology. And I, I, I would argue the, the, the culture part is, is probably the most significant. And it's not just about technology. I think the role of design and design being a proxy for saying, what do our customers need? What kind of experiences do we want our customers mm. to have? Mm. How are their lives changing? It's a, it's a lot more of an empathic view uh, of the world. And these are new concepts in a way uh, for a lot of companies, um, insurance companies, telecom companies. Uh, uh, and banks. So delivering that change is is difficult. But I think Barclays, certainly in that period, was incredibly progressive. Mm. And as I said, one of the main legacies, I think, which is still continuing today, is, is not only changing how the bank deals with different types of segments, let's say, for example, entrepreneurs, or how the wealth bank um, integrates with 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 people who are founding startups and that entrepreneurial journey, but also how they think about their customers' needs. Hmm. And um, so there was things like we introduced hoppers, so mm-hmm. which were essentially interdisciplinary teams. So bringing, to, bringing together, you know, the product owner, project manager, designers, mm-hmm. developers, who all sat and worked in the same place until the project was finished. So these things were completely different ways of working to what went before and trying to break down those silos and enable decisions to be made on a more autonomous and faster basis. Because if you don't allow that to happen, you, 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 you know, you can't be agile. Hmm. Really, really fascinating. Last question before we talk specifically about the work that you're doing at Door, specifically relating to what you said earlier around design being a proxy for uh, change or a proxy for sort of uh, the, the customer's wants and needs. Talk a little bit about some of the design projects that you're most proud of with your time at Barclays. What are, 
what would you feel is your legacy from your time there? I think the the biggest thing that 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 I that I achieved and the and and, and like anything uh, at somewhere like Barclays, it involves a lot of people. So it, it's absolutely not just um, about you know me there was lots of people involved in this but it was this idea of creating entrepreneurial banking which is now mm. you know a recognized sub um, segment with with it with its budget and if you think about everything it sort of was changing around the convergence of, of several forces which are basically saying that there's a social change around more and more people starting their own businesses mm-hmm. and there are a lot of startups not just fintech i mean all kinds of, of, of sectors with uh, startup businesses. And if you think about the wealth bank, traditionally a wealth bank's mindset is we'll only talk to you when you've made it. <laughs> now, that's not going to fly with an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur sure. wants someone to help them get to the top of the mountain. Yeah. If you don't do that, they're not going to invest with you. At all, yeah. So, so translating that into that kind of mindset is a lot more complicated than just say the answer to entrepreneurial banking is an app. I mean, Mm. that's just patently ridiculous. And I personally love working on challenges that require holistic solutions and delivering something like that, making it real. This idea of entrepreneurial banking Mm. is a new mindset, new products and services and so on. So some of the things which came out of that were the rise spaces. So, um, a chap called uh, Alex Scandura and the group design director at the time, Derek White, had this mm-hmm. idea of making Barclays part of that ecosystem, that startup ecosystem. So we worked together to de- develop these Rye spaces. We launched the Barclays Accelerator and we were pushing for new types of uh, funding models. Mm. So I think the, the the biggest impact was certainly this idea of of, of entrepreneurial um, banking. But we worked on on lots of other things. The future of the the branch network, obviously, mm. uh, you know that is in a in a state of of change. Transition. I worked yeah. on yeah. I worked on physical devices like fingerprint id recognition biometric mm. id for corporate banking but certainly the, the the biggest thing was this this bank of entrepreneurs let's let, let's say mm. let's talk a little bit about door you work with progressive organizations and brands to find the answer to the question how will you evolve as we discussed at the beginning of the show talk about some of the problems your clients typically have and how do you help solve them so Doors proposition really is born out of a lot of what I was seeing happening at, at Barclays uh, and before. And I think one one of the advantages that I have is that I haven't spent my whole career in in agency. Mm. Uh, I know what it's like to commission work and I know the nerves about if that work is going to be any good uh, or, or not. And when sure. I was at Barclays, I had the, 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 the fortune to sort of change the agency roster and to work with some amazing um agencies like seymour powell and uh and us too and and uh engine service design lots Mm. of of great companies um and so doors proposition is really based around a few things but also what i was seeing happening and fundamentally what my philosophy is really about combining sort of grown-up commercial generative strategy 
with the ability to make things because you know all strategy is a hypothesis until you mm. do it so sure. so we so we help companies work out their evolution strategy so how are they going to evolve so that means how can they revitalize what they're already doing how do they adapt to their market changes how do they extend what they do but also what does the next generation of their company look like and so that for us, that means about inventing new products, services uh, and and businesses. And so the, the core of how we do that, as I said, is 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 this idea. It's it's my sort of if you imagine my SAS tattoo on the side of my arm, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's 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 hi- hybrid intelligence and executional firepower. And mm. so we strongly believe in uniting that that sort of creative and commercial strategic element with the ability to 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 make things. The kinds of things we work on are, are very diverse because I think another thing that's that's happened, which is important for our proposition, is that a lot of clients now have very very good in-house teams, be it in you know marketing, be it customer experience, you sure. know, be it uh, design, digital, what, whatever. Right. So if they so if they look for outside help, I think it's important that you're working with people who are bringing in viewpoints and perspectives from other industries. Right. So, so, so I, you know, door doesn't just specialize in financial services. So what we bring to our clients is this sort of cross cross sector, cross sector um, experience. Yeah, exactly. You can look into many different industries and sectors and sort of get out of the four walls that your client is necessarily sitting in within their organization. Exactly. And, from a consumer perspective, consumers don't judge or 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 or, or rank um, products and services within vertical anymore. Mm. It's like you know, I can do this on Amazon. Why can't sure. I do it? You know, you know, elsewhere. Sure. Yeah. So the you kinds compare of your Amazon app to your NatWest app to your yeah, right exactly. exactly exactly. So so it's important. I think this 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 cross sectional. Um, expertise and i think that that's what clients should be looking for when they that when they look external because they've they're already subject matter experts in their in their field be it banking be it you know hmm. automotive hmm. and the kinds of things that we that, that we work on really it's about helping companies as i said sort of deliver new value to their customers and working out what, what what's next so for example with with volvo uh one of our clients at the time, it was all about them trying to become more premium, okay? And they mm. they have a, a they understand how to do that in terms of the physical exterior and the physical mm-hmm. interior, but mm-hmm. they were looking for some input on what that meant for the digital experience. So we invented a couple of new things on the on the dashboard. We our client Euroclear, for example, mm. they thought the area of trade finance, invoice finance, was interesting, but they weren't sure what role they would play, what their proposition would be, what their strategy would be. So we helped them uh, develop the basis of a new business unit, and so what it would do in the market, what its proposition would be, huh. uh, and that's and that's radically different to the work that we did with with Volvo. We've just done some work with with sky and there the situation was again all, all of this is highly confidential so it's difficult to 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 go into details but it's sure. this they're they're looking at something which goes to the heart of who they are and the question to us was where where could this lead so out of that came a whole new set of categories a new type new new 
types of products and, and services. But then crucially, we then translated those into some fun functional prototypes. We hired a house, a residential house. We installed all these prototypes and we took uh, 60 people through this, uh, you know, experiences, filmed it all, did all the user research, created concept videos. So our huh. work tries to combine the, the strategic uh, elements and that generative thinking, but then we, we translate that into, you know, into the product. Sure. Real world products. Absolutely fascinating. Now, now everybody wants to be innovative. I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find an executive that doesn't want to be innovative or forward thinking, but innovation is very different in a startup as opposed to a corporate where, as you said earlier, there are silos, there's governance, especially in sort of financial services. Uh, there are traditional ways of, of working, etc. It's very hard to get ideas through in a corporate versus a startup. Yeah. Uh, where, where innovation is sort of baked into sort of uh, sort of sort of what it is that you do, how should we be thinking about corporate innovation specifically? Well, corporate innovation, as you say, is is very different from innovating in in a in a startup, and 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 it's hard. Um, we we I'm sure we could talk. Or I could talk for ages <laughs> on on this. I think that the, the key thing with you know, if you're a corporate thinking about innovation or you're a client working with a corporate client around innovation, I think the most important thing is this idea of, 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 of motivation mm. and, and why, what's behind the innovation. Because innovation, again, is another broad term, right? A sure. lot of corporate innovation you see is basically innovation theater. It, it, it's not necessarily about actual progress or products or, or, or services or putting things in people's hands it's the equivalent of you know a car company making a concept car sure. um a lot of corporate innovation is or internal corporate um roles are in fact about being evangelists and you know delivering this kind of cultural change huh. so when looking at innovation it's it's really about how you're going to get traction and a term that i i i use quite a lot is this idea of relevance failure hmm. and if you if you, so we, you know, people spend a lot of time thinking about product market fit, but mm. the reality is your idea is going to probably die, almost certainly die inside the organization because it suffers from relevance failure. And mm. I, I experienced many times at Barclays when I was uh, working client side there that it doesn't matter how good your idea is, if it's not relevant to the organization or the person you're pitching it to, it, it, it's not going to fly. Mm. And that's, this is when you get into the complexities of the, the role of incentives on executives and decision-making. Mm. So if you're motivated basically to shift more current accounts and shift mm. more lending, that's mm. what you're going to try and do. And if someone mm. like me comes along with an innovation agenda I'm going to be seen as a distraction, a threat potentially. Uh, well, yeah. yeah, not even not even a threat, but certainly a distraction. Mm. And so, I think corporate innovation is really understanding within all the different flavors of innovation, from incremental to disruptive, to the motivation of why you're you're doing it. It's really if you if you want to have an impact, it's 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 rallying people around, you know, the the, the kind of the why and the motivation, and then often. I prefer, or sometimes I think it's more helpful if people 
actually talk about R&D rather mm. than innovation. Innovation can be, you know, true innovation is speculative. And I think that degree of, 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 of risk uh, and the fact that things may not work and will be difficult is, is, is a natural fit for some organizations and is not for others. So I think the speculative na- uh, nature of, of what you're doing, if you're doing proper, well, proper is not the word, but if you're doing something which is risky and unknown, it's very important in a, a, a corporate you know, environment. And certainly if you work client side in innovation, you have to be prepared to take some bullets and make people feel uncomfortable. If you're not, you are not pushing the boundaries or trying to deliver change. And those two get, uh, you know, go uh, hand in hand. And Mm. then you've got all the details around where should innovation take place, who should be involved, the blend between, you know, internal expertise versus external perspectives and, uh, and input. And if things are just done externally, will the mothership uh, reject them? So sometimes you can spin up a new business unit, um, but sometimes that's not the right answer. Sometimes the innovation needs to come out of and be strongly aligned and twinned with with the mm. the, the mother organization. It's not just a case of okay, we're just going to buy a new brand or uh, set up a new a new company. Some sometimes that's the right thing to do. Other times it's not the right thing to do. So that's a very long winded answer of that sort of hopefully reflects how complicated uh the these things is but the, the, it, the biggest thing is alignment though this idea of relevance mm, that's the main thing i would i would say it is it, it's interesting to me from the outside because i look at a lot of these corporates um and a lot of them already know what they should be doing a lot of them have a lot of data and insight and research if you take organizations like kodak and blockbuster for instance they knew about the threat of digital cameras way before digital cameras came about. Blockbuster, likewise, knew about the threat of internet TV before Netflix came about, and yet they ignored it, they were, were blindsided by it, and went the way of the of the dodo. So to a certain extent, a lot of these organizations already know what they should be doing. Why is it so difficult for them to actually shift and pivot and change? I think it's a, it, it's a few things. I mean, it's certainly true to say that right now in a lot of large organizations, the answer to what they should be doing is sitting in a PDF document somewhere <laughs> sure. on a hard drive that no one knows exists, sure. right? Um, and there will be people in the organization who do not have a voice, who really know the future of, of, of the company, but can't mm. make it happen. Or, you know, they have an agency who who's trying to pitch a new idea that could be worth, you know, millions of pounds, but they, 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 they can't get through for whatever reason. I think the, the reason, reasons for that are partly come down to individuals and are, are partly systemic that bubble out of the function uh, of the size of these organizations. The, the, the first thing is if you're a managing director or head of a, a business unit or a CEO, and you're responsible for, thousands or tens of thousands or in some cases hundreds of thousands of jobs you, you know these decisions are not to be taken lightly and, sure. and, 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 and if you empathize with them it's not difficult to see why doing things which will either cannibalize your business or um, disrupt the status sure. quo 
are difficult to take. And if you and, and if you think about traditional CEOs who come from law, operations, finance, uh, legal backgrounds, it's really their role and, and not to sort of downplay what they're doing, but it's really about a safe pair of hands, right? Yeah. It's like don't don't break anything. Okay. <laughs> And um and in the fifties, sixties, seventies, that was probably okay. Now yeah. that's not enough, right? Not the, CEO, at all. the CEO has got to be a a, a creative driving force. And sure. if we look at people like Elon Musk, Steve mm. Jobs, Jeff Bezos, all these mm. contemporary CEOs who are mm. essentially software engineers, it's very different from someone who's a CEO who comes from a, a finance background, sure. for example. So I think there's a there's a there's a there's the reality at a human level of making these big decisions of going in a, in a, in a different, a different direction. The other thing on that level is you can have different people look on a, a context or a market that's very nascent and it's not clear where it's going to go. You and I can look at the same thing and see it very differently. Yeah. And so it's having the courage or the, the certainty to say, okay, is this, new digital thing or is this new company yeah. a genuine threat and, and i think companies mm. yeah and back yours and i think companies it's easier a human level to misread the situation or or for things to snap and change very quickly i mean for, for example at barclays you look at a company like monzo and okay they start in 2015 and they you know they've got a hundred thousand customers and yeah, they're not a threat. Then you've got 500,000 customers. This isn't, you know, going yeah. anywhere. Yeah. Million customers, two million well, customers, let's start three to think about million it now. customers. Yeah. What, what, da, da, da. But on the other hand, there will still be people saying they're not making any money. So yeah. they're not a threat. Sure. So, you, you, so on a human level, it, it, it's difficult. And on a systemic level, implementing that change then whether it comes to dismantling people's empires, whether it is uh, having a clean, a clear, viable vision of what your alternative future business looks like, making that and delivering that and getting buy-in is is very difficult. So this, those are just a few things which 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 come you know come to mind. But it's really not a mystery. I think when mm. you look you when you look at it and and being in it as I have, then it it's not it isn't a mystery about why it's hard so in in that case then where should innovation take place because the argument has been for a long time um we large corporates do need to innovate but maybe that should be done in a lab somewhere you know in an innovation hub somewhere where it doesn't disrupt the core functioning of the business and it doesn't distract the ceo as you as you've said because they're responsible for um, the share price of, of their organization. Yep. Um, there is also a lot of talk around sort of partnering now with competing or with sort of like-minded organizations. Uh, large banks like Barclays, for instance, maybe don't see Monzo's and Starlings and Tides as the threat that they initially pose and are sort of collaborating with them more and more. You're also seeing that with people like Netflix, brands like Netflix, who don't see... Disney Plus or Amazon Prime being a competitor because from their point of view, the more internet TV there is, the more internet TV there is. So how should we be thinking about innovation done in a lab or partnerships? Yeah. I, I think the answer to that is, is at a top level, all of the above. 
and and it really does depend on who you are as a company. I mean, we have to remember for certain types of companies, electronic companies, uh, you know, automotive companies, innovation is part of their DNA. It's sure. the, 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 these conversation challenges don't don't exist, right? It's just who they are. Certain certain companies have innovation at their core because mm. that that goes to the art the the heart of who they are because mm-hmm. of the products they make they have to invent you know new types of electronic devices they have mm-hmm. to make better you know better speakers better mm-hmm. stereos you mm-hmm. know they have to improve their their car in yeah. know, the engines in so it's just Tesla, who they are. Dyson right. go down the yeah, list or even further back yeah who, whoever but other companies it it and 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 I would also throw into this governments hmm. are are not not used to doing this mm. and and um so the short answer is that number one it, it really depends on who you are and you have to do what what is relevant to your organization and and i would say get advice about what what that what 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 that looks like ultimately though innovation is something which which needs to be distributed and take place at a number of different levels, a number of different cadences, looking at different degrees of, of speculation. So you need incremental innovation, which happens as part as your business as usual. And that needs to be done mostly in-house, okay, mm-hmm. by people who really understand it with some maybe external input uh, here and here and there. But mm-hmm. today, if you don't have some kind of design capability, if you don't have some kind of customer experience uh, capability, innovation capability, you've got a leg missing hmm. and, you know, a, a end wow, that's serious. Exactly. But, but, and you, you can achieve that through a blend of internal or external that when we look out further out, thinking about how you deal with the fact that the half-life of products and companies and brands is shrinking, hmm. how are you going to remain relevant in the future? Then you get into the idea of yes, partnerships become key, uh, academic partnerships, um, you know, co-creation, sure. uh, you know, uh, labs, all of those things can be part of your strategy depending on, you know, who you are and, and, and what you're doing. So, so it isn't a case of saying, okay, we've got one innovation program and it, and it, and, and it, and it does that. Mm. I think companies need a, you know, multi pronged approach that, as I say, look at, the dimensions of incremental through to d- disruptive, different degrees of time horizon, different degrees of speculative thinking, mm. and to be permeable so that thinking from outside their organization, be it uh, agency partners who they work c- closely with, be it academic institutions, be it startups, can all uh, you know uh, come together to you know to deliver change and progress Hmm. really fascinating lee i could speak to you all all day but we haven't uh, we haven't got much more time uh for for the interview but final question before we get into our favorite questions towards the back end of the interview that i ask all of my guests um you say that there's a lot of rubbish out there around innovation and despite popular thinking there is no five-step model to be innovative within your organization however despite that you do have a way that we should be thinking about innovation within within our our companies um you talk about the business triangle uh, iterative business as usual relevance and disruption increasing complexity can you talk a little bit about how what sort of model 
you put in place to work with organizations to think about uh, innovation or R&D? Yeah, so for me, I prefer talking when certainly when it becomes working with clients who already have something in play as opposed to a startup. But even for startups, what I'm about to say comes into play pretty quickly. I often prefer using the word evolution rather than innovation because the term innovation tends to lack sort of business context, which is why you get this relevance failure and a lot of innovation efforts fail. So if you imagine a straight line with two opposing ends, okay? On the left-hand side, what's happened is just keeping in business, just delivering what you do for your customers has become a lot more iterative, okay? There are new types of technology. You've got to constantly change your uh, digital presence. There's app updates. There's constant sort of change. So just being in business is a lot more iterative and takes a lot more effort. And then if we look at the, on the right-hand side, as I said, the half-life of things is shrinking. So you've got to, at the same time, you've got to be thinking about how you are going to be relevant in the future and take advantage of of new opportunities, changing customer sure. uh, needs, and so on and so forth. So companies are terrible, generally, at doing <laughs> both both those things sure. at the same time. Which They're hard. Sort of, They're yeah, challenging. They are. And um, so within classical sort of design thinking terminology that that's the difference between on the left hand side exploiting value which you already right. understand mm-hmm. and on the right hand side exploring new value and they require different skills they compete inside organizations for budgets prioritizations they have a different mindset it's very hard to do both those things at the same time mm. now right coming straight through the middle of that which gives us the the third point which creates this triangle it's this idea of rising complexity. So business is becoming inherently more complicated. So we see traditional business functions like IT, law, HR, operations, IT, whatever, becoming more and more complicated through mm-hmm. new technologies and advances. Mm-hmm. And we see traditional competencies being joined by new ones, such as design, data, uh, so on. So we, you see loads of new departments and roles that didn't exist 20 or 30 years ago. You know, mm. chief digital officer, chief design officer, sure. head of cybersecurity. So business is becoming inherently more complicated. So a key decision for all CEOs and leadership teams now is which of the competencies that we need in order to be successful in our business do we need to do ourselves? And where do we partner? So, for example, for instance, can NatWest be a world leader in artificial intelligence, or should it be partnering with someone who knows how to do it? Sure. Do they need to be a world leader in cybersecurity? I would argue yes. So mm. on and so forth. So, when you look at this triangle, this is the context in which progress happens, and when companies bring all these elements together, that is how they evolve. And I think that's a more healthy way of looking at innovation because innovation, if it's going to stick, has to take inv- uh, take into account business realities. Even if it's disruptive, if you're talking about a corporate, it's all very well a startup just going mm-hmm. and saying, we're going to rewire this sector and we're going to do that. That's mm-hmm. fine. And it's fine in some circumstances for a corporate to try and copy what a startup does by throwing mm-hmm throwing out a new business unit but Mm. this idea of business evolution and 
And especially if you want your brand and your organization to continue, it, the question is, how are you going to evolve? And, and that doesn't mean you can't take big leaps or, or, or so on, but mm. you've, got to take, you've got to take into account the context in which you're doing these things. So mm. that, that, that it's those three points on that triangle, which is, 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 is super, super important. Absolutely fascinating. Lee, I could talk to you about this all, all day, but we've only got a few more minutes of your time. Let's get into everyone's favorite questions. These are the questions that I ask all of my guests. A little bit more playful or fun questions about you, the individual. Um, so I'll start with the first one. Tell us about a time when you failed and what you learned from the experience. I think um, a good example of that is very early on, actually, I got uh, I was doing some work for Yamaha with for this guy called Bob Trigg. I, I was probably only about 22 at the time. And he asked he asked me to look at some clothing for bicycles. Mm. They were doing a power-assisted power bicycle. And this was really ahead of their time. This is in mm -hmm. like 92, 93. Wow. Okay. Very, very ahead of its time. And I totally misread the brief. I just went really like sporty very oh, no. masculine oh, I, do, no. I just i just totally uh got it wrong right and very very well re executed but totally <laughs> totally misaligned in the wrong direction yeah and yeah. he was brilliant he was he, he was he was you know he basically saw he was dealing with a child oh, and no. uh and and sort of help sort of nudge me in the in the in the right direction so i i think it's getting to the essence of the brief i think mm. it's it's is 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 the thing there and don't just kind of impose your uh you know your your first reaction or what, mm. what you think it, it's really trying to get to the essence of what the problem is really interesting tell us about some of your early mentors who influenced the way that you think about design innovation and evolution i think early on i was working in a in a bit of a vacuum actually i think it it would be more early on in terms of people who took a chance on me because mm -hmm. I started working as a freelancer before I'd been to university. So I, the main guy who's my main mentor is a guy called Martin Gensler, who used to be chief product officer of Puma. And he, mm -hmm. he was on the board of Puma. I mean, super, super senior guy mm -hmm. yet he, you know, we, we would work reg regularly. I was 18, 19, 20, 20 years old. Uh, and it, he, he gave me so much confidence and put me in lots of different situations that I, 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 I learned, I learned about, and I sort of try and do that today, you know, with my work, but even I, 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 I'm still learning a huge amount in lots of different areas. And I learn a lot from uh, the younger designers or younger strategists that I work with. I mean, my, the team that I built at Barclays was, was nearly you know, it had many graduates in it and right. a lot of young people who are only a couple of years out of university. And I learned loads from those guys. Um, and they're now at Facebook and Spotify, people like that. So it's right. people like fin Finley Craig, Alex T Tatner, huh. Shamik Ray. These are all young designers of, sure. of uh, now. Yeah. Really fascinating. Uh, the books question, this is my personally favorite question. Tell us about some of your favorite books, fiction, nonfiction, design related or whatever. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a sci-fi person. 
Okay. Uh, so I, I do read quite a lot of sci-fi. So I, mm-hmm. I like um, like Richard Morgan, uh, Altered Carbon, you know, Asi- okay. yeah. Asi- Asimov stuff, stuff like that. Great In terms book. of design books, uh, and I also like people like Clive James. I think he's hilarious. I uh, I love his Clive books. James. Yeah, yeah. He died recently. The broad uh, the broad broadcaster. Um, huh. But uh, in terms of sort of things in, within innovation or, or, or design, I like this book called Designing Design by Kenya Hararis, creative director of Muji. Hmm. Things like, I mean, there's a lot of rubbish business books out there versus <laughs> you ha- you, often you have to read 10, 20 yeah, to find. To get you know, the gem. One. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there are often like 300 pages when 30 pages will, will, will do. So I, <laughs> I have to say I read less and less business books because I just think they're, it's turned into uh, there's a lot of fluff as you mm. say so but mm. i do i think if we think about something like um the lean startup by eric white rice classic book great book. it's a classic book it's a seminal book exactly um another one i really like is this book called on intelligence by jeff hawkins who's the okay. founder of palm and that yeah. taught me a lot about um neuroscience and how the brain works so there's definitely really fascinating added both to my amazon reading list my ex reading my really long amazon reading list is getting longer (laughs) and longer by the day uh last couple of questions and then i'll let you go um what advice would you give to a young person or millennial who comes to you and says that they want to be um they want to get into design and organizational change what advice would you give her it would be the same advice actually I give any young person trying to get their career going. And that is to be interesting. Mm. I think that, you know, a lot of people have the same kind of skills. So what is the different differentiator? And you can, you can teach people to use new types of tools and so on. And, and there are new things coming out all the t- same. So whatever you use when you graduate is probably going to be complete, completely different. So it's not yeah. so much about tools and so on, yeah. but it, but, but so in terms of getting people's attention, it's to, it's not to wait for something to happen. It's to be interesting. It's to ha- try and have something to say. It may be wrong, but people I think will appreciate you talking about your point of view. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's to, it's develop, a, a, a point of uh, a point of view write about it mm. go and see people and most senior people and successful people would have had help from someone along the way and if they're mm. if they're good people they 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 will pay that back i mean i mm. i remember when i was at university i wrote to chris bangle who was the design director of bmw at the time this is pre-internet i wrote wrote me a letter about my design my design project, you know, and he, he wrote back to me a long, a long letter. You know, when I was at university and good graduate, I, I wrote to Bob Trigg, who's the vice president of Yamaha at the time. He came to my degree show uh, and, and we said, so I think the main thing is how you put yourself in the position for good things to happen. And, you know, sending your CV out that has got, I can use these tools and I can use, you know, Photoshop or Figma or whatever. What, it is like everyone's got that. Huh. It, it's to be be interesting. Really interesting. So just on that then, what's the most interesting thing that people don't know about Lee Sankey? Put you on the within spot the, now. <laughs> within, within, within the business world, well, uh, probably that I was uh, 
used to be a professional musician. I play a mean oh. harmonica if you look <laughs> me up on the internet. I'll be on YouTube after this interview, <laughs> checking you out. Uh, and my final question, Lee, what do you know about innovation, design, and evolution, business evolution today that you wish you knew at the beginning of your career? Wow. Um, that's, that's, that's hard. Um, I think from, from, well, in terms of running an agency, okay. Mm. Uh, and, and, and what do I know now that I didn't really realize when mm. I, when I got into it is it's exactly like the music industry mm. that, so when you're a musician, you start doing something, you play an instrument and over, over time, you become quite good at it. So you think, oh, I'd like to do this for a living. Mm. But then what happens is when you become a musician, the amount of time you actually play music shrinks massively. Yeah. And mm. when you're a musician, you're hustling for gigs. Yeah. When you run an agency, you're hustling for business. Uh, for business uh, and clients. There are yeah. so many parallels. Um, people are sending out demos, people are sending out portfolios and case studies mm. uh, it's exactly like the music the best work does not always mean you're successful huh. you know, the best artists are not always the most successful ones yeah um it's about you know connections and who you know it's exactly sure. the same in the industry how do we break into a client we know we can help but they have incumbent relationships all it's exactly like the music industry really fascinating absolutely fascinating lee thank you so much for doing this a pleasure, Nathan. Thank you so much for the for the for the invite. It's great, great to have, to talk to you. We have been speaking with Lee Sankey. He is currently the founder at Door. If you enjoyed this conversation, then head over to Apple Podcasts where you can listen to other guests discussing all things innovation and evolution. Thank you for all your feedback and suggestions on LinkedIn. Write to me at nathan.innovate.show. Please head over to iTunes and give us a review. We would be unable to do this show without our very own innovators ahmed ahmed is our editor genevieve mageki is our booker slash project manager mariam begum is our head of research i'm nathan anibaba you've been listening to dot innovate